0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: It is Amber and Ian. No Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. He is getting ready for the national championship. He will be joining us later in the show this evening. Of course, he is on the ground in Houston. He will be on the sidelines on the call right here on ESPN Radio for Michigan, Washington. That coverage Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Andre Snellings filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons. Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We have a hell of a football weekend headed our way, Andre. And I'm not even mentioning Monday when I talk about that. We've got a whole NFL slate on Saturday and Sunday that we will absolutely be getting to here on Amber and Ian. But first, I've got to start with the USA hockey team, the junior hockey team, the under 18s, because they won the gold at the World Junior Championship. Okay. They beat Sweden six to two. You know, go America. Big ups America. to them. The reason I mention this, Dre, is because every player on this team is going to receive free burritos for an entire year from Chipotle. Chipotle <laughs> is a team sponsor. And there are far few, there are few things that I think honestly would be better than that if you're a high schooler (laughs) than free Chipotle burritos for an entire year.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, Though, if you actually eat a burrito every day for an entire year, you may no longer be on the uh, U.S. national hockey team. I I don't
1: know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know because I will say in college, I regularly, very regularly would go to Chipotle and eat an entire burrito, and their burritos are gargantuan. And this is back in the day when, yes, James, I used to be able to eat carbohydrates. I was young, and so I would go. I would go when I was at University of Florida, and I would go all the time, and that would be like the only thing I would eat, though, because it would fill me up for an entire day when I was 19 years old. These dudes are 16 years old, so I feel like they can get away with a burrito a day, honestly.
2: Yeah, you're probably right, because honestly, I'm I'm thinking back to um, my roommates. Uh, I used to run track at Georgia Tech, and it was four of us in there. And it might be 1, 2 in the morning. And you would hear one person go into the cabinet to get whatever, the bowl of cereal, whatever the snack was. And 10 seconds later, we were all out there eating. And so mm-hmm. uh, I remember doing a lot of eating and not gaining a lot of weight back then. So, you know the what? The
1: good old days, as we call those. Life comes <laughs> exactly. to you fast, kids. You don't even realize it. Like one day you're just eating and you're just eating whatever and you're not even realizing that you're, you're housing pizza at 4 in the morning when you get out of the club. And the next day you look at one and you gain a little weight.
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little honest. bit different. So, it's yeah, congratulations to them.
1: The older you get. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Big ups to America. Is there, if you weren't gaining weight, okay, mm. if calories were not a thing in the life of Andre Snellings, <laughs> what is the fast food or, like, quick food establishment that you would mm. want access to for an entire year? Because Chipotle would be pretty high on my list.
2: I was going to say Chipotle is, is, is definitely in my top three. Um, I might go with Chick-fil-A. Um, I have a positive history with them. When we uh, lived in North Carolina, uh, we, we we used to take the kids there. They had a free kids night. Uh, they gave us two huge birthday parties, 50 people eating free for, for my two kids. Dang. Um, and when I moved away to come back to Michigan, they the local Chick-fil-A sent uh, a group of high school students to come and uh, – load up our our moving van for us and they sent us a free platter of chicken uh, to eat while they were loading it And so, yeah, Chick fil A has a special place in my heart, and they're actually good. So, you know, if I could could have a a, a fast food place to to eat every day, it'd probably be Chick fil A.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Chick fil A is very good. The problem with Chick fil A is that the lines are always so intimidatingly (laughs) long. And I understand that they move fast and that they have people out there taking your orders on the streets. I I just, if I'm driving by something and it's too long, I don't care what it is. You know, I'm one of these people that frequent Starbucks far too often, uh, Mm -hmm. according to my husband, anyways, and our (laughs) bank accounts. But nevertheless, like if even if I'm driving past a Starbucks and I love Starbucks. If the line's too long if the line's long, I ain't waiting at it. I'm just one of those people. So that's the intimidating that, eh? factor with Chick-fil-A. Be a part of Amber at Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Give us a call. Triple Eight Say ESPN. That's eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. And yes, it's still college football season, at least until Monday night but let's talk about the NFL season Andre because we've got a doubleheader on ESPN and on ABC on Saturday Steelers at Ravens that's at 4:30 p.m. Eastern Texans at Colts at 8:15 p.m. Eastern and then on Sunday we have a doubleheader right here on ESPN Radio you got Jets Pats And Bears Packers. And all the coverage will get started here at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio. Let's talk, though, about the Steelers and Ravens real quick because ain't nobody playing in that game for Baltimore. They're sitting pretty at the one seed, they're resting. What's kind of interesting about that is in another season where it feels like Mar Jackson's winning the MVP. The last time he did that in 2019, they did this same thing. They rested the starters, they rested him the final week. They go out and looked. All types of Rusty in the divisional round. I guess they're taking their chances again.
2: Yeah, they are taking the chances again. And that's a question for, I guess, the Ravens once they get into the playoffs. But speaking, you know, the Steelers actually have a lot to play for. If they win this game, they could potentially make the playoffs. And on a personal level, you know, I do a lot of work with ESPN Bet. And before the season, I put a bet down that the Steelers are going to win 10 games. So on a personal level, I would really like to see them beat the Ravens backups. But I am not comfortable because this just feels like one of those games where the Ravens are sitting their guys, but they still hate the Steelers. And I could just see the backups coming in and, and, and playing the game of their life and, and trying to show that Mason Rudolph and these Steelers are a fraud. So um, I, I'm going to actually be paying a lot of attention to that game to see whether we end up with like a, a knockdown drag out AFC North battle or whether the, the Ravens do let the Steelers get past them.
1: Yeah, now the Steelers still playing for a postseason here. If the Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh wins and Buffalo loses or they win and Jacksonville loses or there's ties galore with Jacksonville Houston Indianapolis of course there's a ton of scenarios here but basically they've got to take care of business against Baltimore and then they need a little help from their friends to get into a postseason so they are still there they are on the bubble there is still a chance for Pittsburgh they will be coming to play because of that chance for Pittsburgh and it's interesting that you're scared of the Ravens backups but you're (laughs) right those dudes also I I would imagine this is their time, right? They're coming to play too. all the game film. You can get the better for your own future and your own career. So this won't be a Ravens team that will be laying down. Even if you won't see Lamar Jackson under center, the teams that you do have, Already in, in the AFC, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Browns. In the NFC, you've got the Niners, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Eagles, and the Rams. Mm -hmm. All of those teams have clinched. There's a lot of teams still trying to, and it all comes down to this week. So the teams in the hunt, the Jags, the Bills, and the Colts, In the AFC, you got the Bucks and the Packers in the hunt in the NFC. So those are the teams most likely to be able to make it into a postseason. And there are some huge matchups that decide that sort of thing straight up. And then there's the crazy matchups where, you know, you have the fifty-five scenarios and (laughs) thirty-seven of them are ties. And I think it was me and Aaron Goldhammer was filling in yesterday for Ian and we were talking about how fun it would be and you're a gambling man right how fun it would be if several of these games end in ties because the ties never hit like we always Mm -hmm. have to include those scenarios we never get the ties it would be complete chaos if if we had you know two three of these games end in a tie (laughs) dogs and cats
2: living together Mass hysteria. Yeah, that, <laughs> right. that would be fun as long as it's not a team that you're pulling for. Uh, it, it would be a lot of fun. Oh to yeah, to watch yeah, that yeah. Not out. the
1: dolphins. <laughs> I want to be clear. The dolphins need to win against the Bills. That's yes. my team. Everybody <laughs> else can tie.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and of course the other game on Saturday is one of those games, right? When where you got the 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 uh, Texans and the Colts playing, and both teams still have a possibility of uh, playoff ramifications. So if that game ended in a tie, that would just get the weekend started off right.
1: Oh, yeah, that would and that would have all sorts of implications outside of that matchup as well. That would be absolute chaos for the Colts. Basically, they've got to win and then they need Jacksonville to lose or Jacksonville to tie. See, that's what's fun about these ties. And if they do that, then they're getting into a postseason. I'm quickly searching the Texans here. Uh, They need obviously, if they win, then they're in. Um, if Jacksonville loses, they still may be in the postseason. Of course, there's a, a ton of other weird scenarios after that. So there's everything on the line this weekend for most of the teams still in the National Football League as we head into week 18 and get a doubleheader both Saturday and Sunday on ESPN and on ESPN Radio. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, Amber and Ian with Andre Snellings filling in. The Los Angeles Angeles Lakers are a mess. I can't wait to get Andre Snelling's opinion on this. That's next.
3: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
1: In case you live under a rock and you're not aware, Andre Snellings is a senior NBA writer here at ESPN. He is filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons. So when Andre is here, I always want to talk a lot of NBA because few people can do it better than Andre Snellings can do it. And that means we've got to talk about the Lakers, but there's actually something to talk about with the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. This isn't just national uh, media fodder (laughs) here where I'm just talking about the easy go-to team. They are a mess, Dre. And it, it was a a regular season game it was one of 82 but you would think that the lakers had just lost the championship after that that butt beating by the miami heat and in part i think it's just so it's such a statement of how things have gone since this in-season tournament, since the Lakers yep. did, I guess, get to raise a new flag there in their arena <laughs> where they lose to a Miami Heat team that doesn't have Jimmy Butler. And there's all these rumors coming out of that game and, and frankly, before that game about Darvin Ham losing the locker room and falling out of favor maybe there and there's all the blogs already, you know, who's going to be the next head coach of the Lakers, who's the best fit. The sky feels like it's falling in Los Angeles and then Ham comes out after that game and he says, you know, essentially we're really injured and it's like, well, where where are you really injured? Because <laughs> AD ain't injured and LeBron ain't injured and I mean, yeah. like where where are all of these Gabe Vincent? I guess where are all of these Austin Reeves ain't injured this season? Where are all of these key injuries when again you were playing a Miami Heat team that was without Jimmy Butler? That feels yeah. Like, yeah, the narrative there.
0: It's not
2: exactly even. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a lot going on. You you mentioned the end-season tournament with the Lakers. And for me, that was when things started going left for them. They were playing well in the early part of the season, and that's why they had the the top seed in in the end-season tournament, and they went on to win that. But – Even at the time, and especially immediately after when they started losing, because I don't know if you remember, right after both them and the Pacers went on kind of like a losing stretch. And and it felt to me like if the NBA season is a marathon, that the Pacers and the Lakers sprinted during the marathon to win something at the beginning. And that they then, you know, if you try to sprint during a long distance race, at some point the pendulum has to swing the other way. And it felt like they had to walk for a while. And, and that I thought that's what the losing was about. But it's more than that because the Pacers have stopped walking and they're back to running again and, and they're playing well. Whereas the Lakers keep going further and further downhill. And I think some of it is the personnel. We were talking a little bit in the break last season early on, the Lakers were really not good. And, People blamed a lot of it on Russell Westbrook, but I think it was more about the fit. They had a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis and no shooting around them. And and so that was a problem. Well, when they traded Westbrook, they brought in some shooters and they finished the season really strong. And in the offseason, the thought was, well, they pretty much kept the team they finished the season with. So that shooting shouldn't be the issue anymore. But it is. And they they exacerbated it since the in-season tournament because they had both Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell coming off the bench. And they were starting Cam Reddish, Torian Prince, and Jared Vanderbilt as as like the other three guys around LeBron and AD. And none of them were good shooters. And so we were right back to where they started last season. And I think that's played a part in why they're losing. But they have to get something fixed. They moved Austin Reeves back into the starting lineup um, to get a little bit more shooting in the last game. It didn't work against the Heat, but they have to figure something out because this is going downhill in a hurry.
1: Austin Reeves, I think that people bought in too soon, frankly, with Austin Reeves. Like, I'm not saying that he's a bad player. He's not. But people wanted to try to turn him into a star. And and maybe he's not that either, right? Maybe he's he's just a piece there. And they didn't surround their two key pieces their actual superstars with enough other key pieces here because Austin Reeves he hasn't been injured this season comes back down to earth Cam Reddish I don't really know why that was going to be the reliance there I mean what did they do in the offseason to fix the problem that they did have earlier in the season other than I guess bringing in Gabe Vincent who hasn't been available because he has in fact been injured but even as a Heat fan who loved Gabe Vincent last season I can tell you if Gabe Vincent is what's standing between you not being in a postseason <laughs> or, you know, winning an NBA title like that's not a great situation to be in, because I feel like that's maybe expecting a little bit too much from old Gabe. Stephen A. Smith, he hosts a show called First Take on ESPN. You maybe might have you heard, heard of it. it. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, he talks about the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA quite a bit. And he said those role players that are there need to step up
4: they are an absolute mess and as far as i'm concerned they've got a roster rife with individuals who have betrayed lebron james they have betrayed anthony davis they have betrayed Jeannie buss and rob palenka and as far as i'm concerned there are very few places where everybody wouldn't mind being in the nba or in professional sports you know what If I'm if I'm Rob Palenka, if I'm Darvin Ham, I grab everyone but Anthony Davis and LeBron James and I drive them around L.A. How you like it? Do you feel this weather? Do you see this sunshine? You want to stay here? Well, guess what? You have to perform in order to do it. All you have to do is your damn job. And the Lakers have an abundance of players that ain't doing a damn thing. They lucky to be in uniform. I'm telling you right now, they will be put on notice. They're about to be up out of here in L.A. somehow, some way. Some of them you can't even give away for a box of cookies.
1: Now, I don't actually... (laughs) agree with what Stephen A is saying there because I guess he feels like these guys all have that innate ability and they just aren't bothering to use it and I question frankly Andre whether they have it to begin with especially when you're considering that LeBron is 39 years old and we're getting like 40 minutes from him a night which is absurd and we shouldn't be doing and AD is healthy but they ain't got nearly enough it just doesn't it doesn't feel like to me people aren't showing up it feels like to me this team isn't constructed well
2: yeah, so, well, first of all, if only Stephen A. would say what he actually thinks instead of, you know, being wishy-washy about it, you know, he'd go further in his career. But, um, <laughs> but no, so I think you have a point. I think Stephen A. Um, has a bit of a point as well. I see what the Lakers were trying to do because, as I pointed out, last season after the trade deadline – They were one of the best teams in the NBA, not even just in the West, because they came from way out. They were like 13th, I think, in the West. They uh, played their way into the play-in game by winning a lot down the stretch. Then they played their way to the conference finals.
1: But it was kind of Fugazi, wasn't it? I mean, I I feel like a lot of things, yeah, like things, I felt like things broke their way in the playoffs. And then you saw it in a conference finals, that the competition just hadn't actually been there yet.
2: So I'm not sure I agree with that because they were convincingly better to me than the teams that they played in the playoffs. And I think I actually picked them to win those series before the series started. It was, to me, they didn't have an answer for Nikola Jokic. And I think that plays a part into how they've ended up where they are. I think that when they got to to the Nuggets and Anthony Davis just isn't big enough to stop Jokic from doing what he wants to do, and they didn't have any other kind of elite defenders in their main rotation to help slow him down, I think that they came into this season thinking, okay, well, we fixed that shooting issue. Let's work on the defensive issue. And that's why... It's crazy. I don't understand it, but that's why they were starting the lineup they were starting with, you know, uh, Vanderbilt and and Prince and Reddish. They're supposed to be excellent defenders to help with that aspect of the game. The problem is they they can't shoot. And so, you know, to your point about roster construction, the Lakers have to find a balance of players that can defend and also players that can score. You know, the Austin Reeves, the D'Angelo Russells, if he's healthy, the Gabe Vincent of the world. They can knock down shots, but they're not good on defense. And so they they need a bit of both. And so Stephen A. talked about uh, the Lakers being a destination spot. So I would say that maybe Rob Palenka needs to be busy working the the, the trade uh, uh, wires for some two-way players as opposed to one or the other.
1: So I don't know if I'm being a hater I guess I felt like the Lakers got a little lucky in the postseason. and yes obviously going from a play-in to the conference finals is impressive any way you cut it but to do so against a you know a shorthanded Grizz team and and a, a Golden State team also that you know is arguably past its prime here and that was your path and then you run into real competition the standard now in that conference and when you face the standard in that conference boy did the did they make easy work did the Nuggets make easy work of this Lakers team and I felt like that not being able to build on that taking Mm -hmm. that experience in the Western Conference Finals and going into an offseason and not thinking well that's the real competition it's kind of like they just wanted to run it back because okay well we had success up to that point but isn't the point to be able to go ahead and get past that Denver team at this point in LeBron James's career And there's no way you could have looked at this roster and thought that was going to happen. Now, they haven't made an in-season coaching change since 2013. A lot of noise around the ham situation. I don't think that's going to fix the problem either. I think it's a roster construction problem right now, even though LeBron and AD are still playing phenomenal basketball. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Andre Snellings filling in. The Chicago Bears are officially on the clock. Will they keep Justin Field or will they take the field?
0: Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
4: I see it as progress. You know, when you're the winning quarterback on the winning team, that's always good, right? He's been part of that. I certainly do see progress. The thing with the Bears is they have done everything to screw this kid up from the beginning. What did you expect? You've done such a poor job of understanding whether or not he's the guy.
1: Ah, bear down, Chicago Bears. The Bears, who have been officially eliminated from a postseason, are still one of the biggest topics of discussion as we head towards a postseason. Imagine that Andre Snellings filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons here on Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive. So let's bring in some help with the Chicago Bears conversation for that. We turn to our friend Courtney Cronin ESPN Bears reporter of course also ESPN radio around the horn everywhere else. Hey Courtney, thanks for joining us. Let me start with the matchup this weekend. Bears taking on Packers. We know how much this game means, even if it doesn't actually mean anything for a postseason for Chicago. Does it mean something, whatever happens here against this huge rival, do you think, in terms of the future of Justin Fields?
5: Definitely. Uh, one way or the other, it's going to affect what he, where he is next year. And I know a lot of people are positioning this to be a cut and dry sort of decision for the Chicago bears that of course he hasn't had a QBR that's higher than 15 in any of his, you know, three seasons in the NFL and the fourth quarter numbers, how could you possibly pass on a generational talent with a number one overall pick? But I promise you, they are toiling about this inside of Hallis hall right now. This is not an easy decision. This is one that has not already been made and it's one that's going to take into account the entire body of work of Justin Fields through 37 career starts and 38 career starts. And that 38th is on Sunday against the green Bay Packers. So how Justin performs here goes into his evaluation with the bears. Do they keep him? Do they trade him? But if he has a great game that only increases his potential trade value. So there's a lot on the line here, a lot for this franchise. They want to win. So they have some positive momentum for a change going into the off season. And, How that affects Justin Fields also affects Matt Eberflus, potentially. It feels like he's coming back right now, but there's still a major wild card in all of this with how the decision-making is going down this time. It's not the same old Bears that has Ted Phillips, who was the president of his team for 40 years, and George McCaskey making decisions. It's Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren, and and I think that that's part of the unknown. We don't know how exactly they're going to come to a conclusion on the quarterback, on the offensive coordinator and, you know, sooner rather than later, they're going to have to come to a decision on the head coach, which very well could come down Monday or Tuesday.
2: Hey, Courtney. So, that answer was fascinating to me because I'm of the extremely strong opinion that the Bears should keep Justin Fields and trade the top pick. And I could go on and on about my reasons for it, but I was of the impression from a distance that it was kind of a foregone conclusion with the Bears front office. From what you're saying, it sounds like it's still very much up in the air. It could depend on what he shows on Sunday. So I guess my question would be, you pointed out they've got 37, 38 games of film from him already to work from. What do you think he would need to show or do this weekend to, you know, increase the chances that, to make the Bears say, oh, yeah we do think we need to keep this guy. We didn't know it before, but now we do.
5: Yeah, it's so hard because you don't want to look at this in a vacuum, right? Like, you want to look at this whole body of work. And I had a GM tell me this week, Jeremy Fowler and I wrote a piece at ESPN.com that detailed the conundrum that this team faces, whether to move on from Justin Fields or trade that pick and build around him. And this GM told me, what's the confusion going on in Chicago right now? If you have 37 career starts and you don't have clarity, you do have clarity on the quarterback. And you could totally understand that reasoning of if you've seen three years worth of work from a quarterback and the jury's still out on that person, that probably means he's not your answer at the position. But there's a lot of things that you have to take into account for that he's, you know, Started out his career in 2021, a different coaching staff, different front office from the one that's currently in Chicago. He's had ups and downs. Injuries have been a part of that. But it also took him two years to master this offense that he's in currently. And when you just start to see a six, seven-game sample size where things are clicking, do you want to hit the eject button when you have the light at the end of the tunnel at least or what looks like it's headed in the positive direction? and start all over with a rookie. Like, that's what they face right now, and it's tough because Justin has shown really good moments where he has stepped up in the pocket, he's made big throws. I think his, his Atlanta game against the top-ten defense is, is everything you need to see to believe that this is the guy you build around. But can he do that consistently? Can it be more than just a flash in the pan and he'll regress the next week, or you'll see the same sort of mistakes pop up where reading defenses, seeing things downfield, hitting the open receiver, become a challenge. That's what the bears are trying to guard against. And, you know, his numbers in the second half against Arizona on Christmas Eve left a lot to be desired, but if he can show that he can consistently do what he did against Atlanta against a green Bay team that has everything to play for, then that complicates the evaluation. Cause the worst thing you want to do is get off a winning horse when you feel like the go- the you know the getting's getting good. And that's what it feels like in this locker room. I have never seen unanim- unanimous, universal support for a quarterback the way I've seen it for Justin Fields. And you run the risk of setting the franchise back if you end up moving on from that entire body of work, the leadership and the on-play stuff that's just come, on-field stuff that's just coming together for moving on for a, a prospect that-, that remains unknown, but like, the ceiling may appear higher. So... It's. I promise you, it is a decision that is not being taken lightly inside of Hallis Hall right now and one that you're not going to find an answer out about for a while. Like This is not going to be like we find out week 18, right after week 18, oh, they're moving on from Justin Fields, oh, they're sticking with Justin Fields. This is probably something that's going to drag well into free agency and well into the draft until they make their decision of what they're doing with that pick.
1: Yeah, we are definitely talking about this thing up until that night in April and then frankly probably up until the minute this thing happens. Courtney Cronin ESPN Bears reporter joining us here on Amber and Ian with Andre Snellings filling in for Ian tonight you mentioned the future of Fields obviously of even Eberflus what I haven't heard much about Courtney is the future of Ryan Poles and I think one of the reasons that we're all so enamored by this story is because it does feel like such a difficult pos- uh, position and, and a difficult decision for Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles to make but is there any concern about the future of Poles like if they were to get rid of Eberflus do you think they would just completely clean house there in Chicago? I do not.
5: I do not. And I've felt this way for a couple of weeks. Sources I've spoken with have indicated that while there is uncertainty about 2024, who's back, who's not, that you got to look at Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, despite the fact that they were hired at the same time, through a different lens for each. Ryan Poles has positioned himself well to return in 2024. That is the expectation. Um, And he's in a really good spot right now, as far as the inner workings of this organization, Kevin Warren is the new president and CEO of the Chicago bears. He was hired 51 weeks ago and he and Ryan Poles, from everything that I have reported and have heard from people who know the inner workings of their relationship. They have a very, very strong one. And Kevin Warren, this is not something that like you see too often uh, in different organizations he's over football operations, the team president and CEO, not just over the business side, he's over the football side. Now, ultimately what we will soon find out about is how much autonomy Ryan Poles has to make decisions on the coaching staff, on the quarterback, all of those things. And from my perspective and from my reporting, Kevin Warren is someone who wants to empower rather than to, you know, meddle in affairs, so to speak, but we will see with the decisions that are to be made, how much Kevin Warren steps in, how much he's willing to give Ryan Poles the autonomy to make his own decisions on important matters here. But those two have been in lockstep since the moment they got together, Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren meetings together at the combine, which typically doesn't happen Um, on the plane ride home from the chargers game. It was Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren sorting over the idea to go, make the aggressive move to go get Montez Sweat. That was something that Ryan Poles confided heavily in with the uh, team president of the Chicago Bears. And that's, I think, a glimpse of just like what that relationship is like uh, internally and also externally. But that's something that they're building towards. and, And I would not at all expect that Ryan Poles would be, you know, anywhere other than the Chicago Bears in 2024.
1: Yeah, there are some teams where the president is nowhere near the general manager, where they're nowhere near that football operations. With, that was the
5: case in Minnesota when Ryan, Pult, when, excuse me, when Kevin Warren was there from what, 2005 through 2019. He was over the business side. Rick Spielman, mm-hmm. the general manager, was over the football side. Those two did... You no, know, those, those sides of the, of the organization did not overlap at all and Amber you're right that's typically the model that you see in most NFL franchises
1: yeah to the extent like when I worked for the Miami Dolphins I worked in the legal department on the business side we were in a completely separate building in a, in a frankly separate city than football operations for the Dolphins that's how separate those two things function Courtney Cronin she covers the Bears for us here at ESPN I'm sure Courtney we will be hammering you about this until April 25th when that number one pick goes into effect or until the bears trade that thing away thanks Courtney thanks guys take care coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Andre Snelling's filling in for Ian tonight I do want to give Dre some space here to talk (laughs) about Justin Fields because he's got some strong opinions on what the bears should do but also we've got to look ahead to this weekend there are some monster matchups across the NFL we'll play some got one
4: I see it as progress. You know, when you're the winning quarterback on the winning team, that's always good, right? He's been part of that. I certainly do see progress. The thing with the Bears is they have done everything to screw this kid up from the beginning. What did you expect? You've done such a poor job of understanding whether or not he's the guy.
1: We legit are going to be talking about this until April 25th, Dre, or until the Chicago Bears trade that number one pick away if, in fact... They're going somewhere, or in fact, they're staying with Justin Fields. Not going somewhere other than Justin Fields. Amber and Ian's presented by Progressive. Andre Snelling's filling in for Ian tonight. You can find him at Professor DRZ. You can find me as well. I think I did that right. Right. Yes. That was off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. At Professor Drz. Uh, at Amber W Sports is how you find me. So I have to get your your thoughts on the Justin Fields situation, because you mentioned to Courtney Cronin when we had her on a few minutes ago, if you missed anything, check out the pod on the ESPN app. You mentioned that you've got strong opinions about what Chicago should do here.
2: Absolutely. I have been watching from a distance and to me, Justin Fields should be a Chicago bear next season point blank. Like not even like it's a tough decision to me. It's a slam dunk decision. And it drives me crazy that so, many pe- so few people seem to feel that way. Um, first of all, I'll start with Fields' upside as a quarterback is at least as high as any quarterback in this draft. And I'll stand on that. I'm, I'm even including, you know, I, I love what I've seen out of the young guys that will be in this draft. But Fields, everyone talks about how Trevor Lawrence was this generational prospect. Coming out of high school, Lawrence and Fields were 1-1A. Um, I think one of the differences is that Lawrence started from day one and got a lot of seasoning in college. Fields didn't. He was the backup in Georgia. He started for about a year and a half with Ohio State. And he came into the NFL with all of the elite arm talent. And people thought he was just a good athlete. Um, but the question was, well, can he learn how to read defenses, handle blitzes, things that like that? And in the first season, I think we saw he struggled with that. He looked, in my opinion, not like Zach Wilson did, like the game was too fast for him. He came into season two, started off, the game was still too fast, and then he realized, you know what, I can run. And he used his legs to make a legitimate impact for the second half of his second season. And then this season, he came in, and and with with Iberflus, they they wanted him to be more of a pocket passer, not just using his legs... um, as, as as a first option, and again, it took him about three games. Those first three games, he had what three touchdowns versus four interceptions, and he was getting sacked more than four times a game. And 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 the Bears were struggling. But since then, in in his last whatever seven or eight uh, games, he's got I want to say uh, thirteen touchdowns versus only f- uh, five interceptions. He's getting sacked fewer. And just watching him, the game has slowed down for him. I'm watching the game slow down for him. And, you know, he's only got the one strong receiver that, that gets separation in DJ Moore. His passer rating to DJ Moore is something absurd. You know, it's, it's it would be an elite quarterback level passer rating. So I feel like the Bears should keep him. They should bring in another talented young uh, receiver like, oh, say Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, take advantage of the fact that they have a guy with Lamar Jackson upside in a year that Lamar Jackson's about to win the MVP.
1: What's funny is I actually agree with you in the sense that I also think that they should keep Justin Fields and – go ahead and move on from the pick rather than moving on from the quarterback that they have in hand, in part because of those things that you said, the promise that's there for Justin Fields, but even more so because I don't know if I'm quite as convinced that he's the next coming, that it sounds like you are with pulling the stats. And I agree with you, though. He has showed promise in this league, obviously, and we have seen that promise on the biggest stage. What we've never seen from the Caleb Williams of the world is them do anything in the NFL. And that always makes me nervous. I don't care how highly touted the process. Is It only has a 50% hit rate if you're a top three pick in the league. It goes down after that. If you're a first rounder, you're talking less than a 50% hit rate. More often than not, these guys do not work out, even when Mm -hmm. they're generational, even when they're all time, even when they can't miss right now. The thing that makes people nervous with Justin Fields and it's hard to argue against is 11 and 28 or whatever his overall record is. It's something pretty bad there. I think I might have that right as a starter in the league. So. There are people that will point to that and say he's had his chances. We've seen him start 37 games in the league and he is not a winning quarterback overall. Of course, the counter argument to that is he's been on very, very bad teams. And so some of those individual stats and the way that he's developing against actual NFL defenses, I think, frankly, probably mean a whole lot more in that situation. When you are on a team that has been ripped down to the studs in that specific situation, Those individual stats probably carry a lot more weight than that win-loss column. Also, when you look at the win-loss record of Caleb Williams, we're not exactly talking about the dude that just led USC to a national championship, right? Like, he's not playing on Monday night, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't find themselves in a postseason. They were not the best team in college football, even though he's supposed to be this can't-miss generational quarterback. And even from that perspective, we're not used to seeing that. I'm not saying that that means Caleb Williams isn't going to pan out in the NFL by any means but it is interesting we're normally used to seeing the Trevor Lawrence's of the world come off winning teams right and national title contenders and that's not what we're seeing here with Caleb Williams I just feel like if you've got one in the hand it's worth two in the bush you've got Justin Fields there you can trade that pick that's part of this analysis it's not even necessarily what I think Justin Fields is going to turn into it's what I think you could turn that pick into on a team that still has a whole lot of needs that we never talk about outside of the quarterback position so I actually agree with you but I think most most people don't. And I'm guessing they're moving on from Justin Fields. So let's very quickly pick some of these games. We got a big weekend in NFL football. Let's get to it.
0: Amber Indian got
6: one.
1: We got one. Hello, James Steele.
6: Yeah, let's start right there with the Bears who are visiting the Packers this weekend. Packers are three-point favorites. Uh, that is part of our uh, Football Sunday Doubleheader right here on ESPN Radio. Jets at Patriots. Covers, coverage of that game starts at noon Eastern. And then Bears and Packers follows. Uh, Bears at Packers. Packers three-point favorites. Dre, uh, who do you got?
2: I'm going to go with the Bears uh, and, and, and take the points. Um, yes, uh, Fields' record overall has not been the strongest, but in his last five games, they're 4-1, and one, and their one loss was at a Cleveland Browns team that looks like one of the best teams in the AFC. So um, I, I think that they're going to go in to ruin the their rivals, the, the Packers' day, and I think they'll have a good chance to do that.
1: This game is at the Packers in Green Bay. I will take them. Uh, We are going to split the difference here. They are trying to make a postseason. The Packers, not the Bears. They've already been eliminated. Now, the Packers can actually still theoretically do that even if they lose this game. They need a whole lot of help, though. They need Minnesota to lose, Seattle to lose, Tampa Bay to lose. They're going to go ahead instead and just take care of business against Chicago and find themselves in a postseason. James?
6: Uh, Let's do a couple more here real quick. Uh, The Texans are one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Uh, Against the Colts, that game is on ESPN, ABC, and ESPN Plus, part of the television doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, uh, Texans-Colts coverage of that starts at 8.15 Eastern. Uh, Amber, Texans, one-and-a-half point favorite at Indianapolis. Who you got?
1: Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Nobody knows. Now, the winner of this thing is going to get a playoff berth, so everything is on the line. The winner will clinch the AFC South with a win, and if the Jags lose, both of these teams are counting on that. Ah, I guess I will take – I'll take Houston – I'll take Houston, you Andre.
2: Yep, I'm right there with you. I think C.J. C- C. Stroud in his second NFL game threw for 348 yards against the Colts. I look for him to do well again, and and um, I will give that one and a half points.
6: Let's he- one more real quick. Oh, uh, oh. Falcons at Saints. Saints oh, wow. are three point favorites. Yuck, Dre. Who you yeah, got? Yeah,
1: goodness.
2: Uh, yuck. I'm gonna go with the Saints. Um, kind of just because. <laughs>
1: I'll go with the Falcons just because he didn't. Uh, Let's get crazy in the division that nobody wants to win. Coming up next, we want to win here on ESPN Radio. Amber and Ian rolls on with Andre Snellings filling in.